leadership and learning are indispensable to each other. That is a quote by John F. Kennedy. Welcome to Trina Talk. This is the podcast where guests share their stories of pursuing their passions, living a fulfilled life, and empowering others. Each week, I talk with inspiring leaders, business owners, and people with amazing stories from around the world in unscripted conversations as they share their successes and failures. This podcast is all about empowering you to keep striving in your personal and professional life. I am your host, Trina L. Martin. Welcome to episode 131. The topic of this week's episode is lead with value and kindness. My guest this week is Catherine Canty. Catherine is a tenacious connector and recovering banker. She is a leadership coach. Her sales programs create exceeding results. She is a wife, mother, and cares about improving internet access. Hi, Catherine. Welcome to Trina Talk. Hi, Trina. Thanks so much for having me. I'm excited to get to speak with you today. I'm excited to speak with you as well. You have a uh, interesting background. You spent, what, 20 years in banking? I did. 20 fun years traveling around the country. It was fun. Wow. So go ahead and just tell the listeners, give us a little bit about you and how you became the Catherine that you are today. Mm, that's a good question. I'll try to keep it simple for you. Um, I started out um, in banking. I actually started out as a bank teller and took all those bank teller positions that nobody wanted in those branches that uh, they could never find any placements. So I started out there um, in the in the branches and got curious to see, well, how far can this go? And uh, over the years, I, I spent about 12 years with a bank that's headquartered in the Southeast U.S., and traveled around there in their five-state territory to help grow their business on the deposit side. And um, and then from there, I've stayed in touch with my network and um, was recruited to go over to another bank called Farm Credit, which is a, still a bank, but it only supports agriculture and rural communities. And um, so I spent a good number of years on the deposit side, but this bank doesn't take deposits. They only lend money. And uh, so I helped support um, huge lines of credit going out into these communities. And it wasn't just uh, the the funding, but it was also all the technology, backroom operations, and um, call reporting, um, um, GL systems, all marketing, anything you needed to run a business. Um, we provided all those services to them. So it was a great opportunity to kind of go on the other side. And um, it was also similar in the sense that we had 42 um, charter banks with my community bank that, that I was working with in the Southeast. And then I went over to Farm Credit and they only had 19 customers. So it's a very unique situation where you have a holding company or you have a parent company and then you have the subsidiaries and you don't always have that direct in, influence and, and reporting. So you've got to get creative on how people can work together and break down silos. So that was a similarity between two different roles. And a few years before I went out on my own, I uh, reached out to a coach and said, you know, I want to keep growing. I want to keep giving. 
and I think I've, I've gone as far as I want to go here. So what's next? And so she helped me figure out that path. And about two years ago, I went out and started my own leadership coaching and consulting business. And um, I've been coaching groups as large as 16 people at one time, and as well as individuals. And they have all been able to create 100% measurable success as recognized by their peers and their stakeholders with this coaching process. So um, it's been a lot of fun. It's very rewarding to be able to take my experiences and my mistakes and be able to share them with others and, uh, and be able to see them grow and get recognized by their peers for their success that they're making. Wow. That's, you know, that's really amazing. Um, just your whole journey being in banking. And then uh, now you have a, a business of your own where you're doing leadership coaching and, you know, it's funny when you leave your career that you've worked so hard for it to journey off on your own, which I know can be kind of scary, but you you seem to be doing well. And I was looking at your website and it says you are a connector and a networker. And as you were giving your background, I was like, yeah, I see. I see how she, you know, decided to do that and how you fit with that. Um, and what I like to talk about with my guests is I like to talk about successes as well as your failures. So you said, you know, you figured that, you know, you grew as far as you could grow in the banking industry and you decided to, to move on, but how long did it take you to come to that conclusion? Was it hard to leave your nine to five to do this? Because there are some things that you have to consider when you decide to leave, you know, that steady paycheck. Uh, Yeah, there's uh, a lot to take into consideration. And I know that, I've been married for a little over 20 years. So we got married kind of young. And um, when I look back on it, he, my husband has always been an entrepreneur and I just kind of joked and it was just a running joke with us, with our friends that I would provide that steady paycheck, you know, for the first half of this, you know, working relationship first 20 years, and then it was going to be his turn. And so I was going to say, tag, you're it after 20 years. And I think it's, it's scary because, you know, when you write down a goal and you write down things and then sure enough, it actually like happens. And so it scares me that I write this stuff down, you know, just small things that you want to accomplish. But then I've always just verbally said, you know, I want to retire and retirement for me is just being able to control more about who I'm going to work with and who I'm going to engage with. And um, so, you know, I just joked on the weekends after, you know, traveling 60% of the time, I just said, you know, I'm getting closer. It's almost been 20 years. (laughs) Your time's coming. And so a lot of people didn't think I was going to do it. I know a month before I was going to turn in my letter of resignation, uh, my husband thought, you know, you're, you're not going to do it. It's just big talk. And I said, no, this is like the best I've ever felt. And even before that, I took a, a practice week off, you know, just to make sure that I can mentally handle having five full days of not going into the office and I had lined up appointments to go meet with people and network and, you know, just drive around to, to different metro cities, lined up some lunches. And at the end of that week, I felt so energized and so happy and, um, and so free that it just was another thing. So there were a lot of just small things that led up to this experience, um, hiring coach two hour, two, um, years before I went out also helped me make a lot of small wins along the way. So it created this momentum that allowed me to feel like this is the right next step. So nothing happened overnight. And, uh, it was, it was a long process in the planning 
And you're right. You know, you, you've got to look at your, your finances and you know, what is, what are you really spending? What are you really saving? And, um, I've always tried to maintain that paycheck, you know, to stay a certain amount. And then as I got raises over the years, that is what went into, you know, retirement accounts and HSA accounts and investment accounts and um, anywhere else that I could put it. So um, somebody told me a long time ago, you know, try to keep that as minimal as possible. And when you do get that bonus or that raise, spend a little, but make sure you you maintain your your cost of living and put the rest of that um in that savings account for down the road and true freedom. I also read another book is, is to have this or true happiness is to have that freedom to be able to make your choices and to be able to do that at, at, you know, 20 years into a career is, um, is a gift. Well, I love what you said about getting a coach because you're a coach. I do coaching as well, but the great coaches have coaches, Yeah, you know, yeah. and I think a lot of people, they fail to realize that you're always evolving. You're always learning. You can't just say, oh, I- I'm here. I'm done. I'm a coach and that's it. So I-, I really love what you're saying. And you said two years you spent with a coach. Yeah. And it was it was a leap of faith. I, f- I found someone that was actually in South Carolina, which is great because normally, you know, you don't find somebody who's who's local. And um, we, we did a sample kind of a, a a session that was just to try it out. And then I said, okay, let's do it. And um, so we jumped in and she said, it's going to get worse before it gets better. And I thought, oh, I don't know if I want to do this, but you know what? I mean, I, I just, you know, how you could feel something that you're just ready for it. So I said, okay, here we go. And, you know, it got a little messy before, it, before the clarity came. So yeah, hiring that coach held me accountable and helped me create those small wins that allowed me to, to kind of break out. Wow. Great. And so when you finally did make the jump, what was your husband's reaction? That's a great question. I think he just kind of shook his head like he normally does when we <laughs> buy a, a house that's a fixer-upper and, you know, it sounds good at the front end. And then afterwards, you're like, oh, my God. You know, you look around, you're like, oh, there's there's no closets and the ceiling's falling in. <laughs> so, you know, just that, oh, my, why do we do this? So uh, I, I saw that same kind of look on his face, but then at the same time, um, he saw I was just incredibly happy. And, um, you know, there's, there's just that freedom that comes with it that I never really thought was going to happen. And he just said, you know, if you're happy, then, then this is what we're going to do. We'll figure it out. Figure it out. Exactly. And that's what entrepreneurship is, is a lot of figuring out. It just doesn't happen at, you know, overnight. And, how were you affected by this pandemic that we're living through? How how did business um, fare for you? I was uh, very fortunate with with my network, um, and I've always uh, studied under some different folks that that believe in find the struggling moment of the client, find the struggling moment of your prospect, and help solve for that problem. And lead with value. Don't lead with what what I want, but lead with how can you help someone else. And as a result of that, um, it, it worked out great. Uh, I picked up uh, quite a few coaching clients um, from people that that value the coaching and needed to grow their talent, which was great. And then because I've got 20 years of just doing B2B business to business selling and business development, I was working with a company in upstate New York and helped them double their business in 90 days. And I knew it just, I felt like I was getting back in 
to that corporate environment. And it just was like, you know, it was fun in the beginning, kind of that honeymoon, you know, you're excited to, to grow some business and you're back in your comfort zone. And then it's like, gosh, you know, this is not where I really thought I was going to be. And I was still coaching and, you know, I love having multiple projects going out at the same time. And I was explaining to them, well, here's a very simple sales process and here's three steps, boom, boom, boom. And, you know, let's, let's do it. And as I talked to them, I realized they didn't have that structure in place. And so what I realized was I could take 20 years of knowledge and be able to package it up and be able to pitch it back to them and say, you know, you're a startup company, you're doing a phenomenal job. You're hiring maybe some younger talent um, or folks that just need to brush up on some of this stuff. And um, so here, let me put together this package. And then I was able to do case studies for them because I was familiar with their business model and be able to turn it over to them. And from that experience, then I also was able to repackage the same sales B2B process how do you grow your business when you can't not go get out in front of people face to face? And so packaged it up and um, piloted that program and it was a successful pilot as well. And so, you know, given just all this terrible stuff that's been going on, I love when we're given these kind of crazy um, opportunities and start thinking creatively to get out of them and, uh, and try to leverage it as best as you can and try to be optimistic. So um, despite all the sadness that's going on, I think there's also been a lot of opportunity for a lot of people who want to make changes and want to see that the glass is half full and go out there and give it a shot. So um, it, it's been a pretty great year. I, I love that. I love what you said about there's opportunities to look at the glass full. And I like what you said when you, you went to your client and you said, okay, this is where their problems are. And I know how to solve that with all of my years of experience. And I think that's the key. I think a lot of times people think that you have to have some grand idea to start your own business. And a lot of times it's just what we already know as our expert, our expertise on what we know and helping someone else to who doesn't know, because I think a lot of times we think, well, if I know that everybody knows that. That's so true. I was listening to a podcast earlier, Trina, and it talked about how, you know, all we're doing is just repeating the same stuff that everybody's been saying for years. I mean, storytelling has been around since Aristotle. And um, all we're doing is we're following the same process. We're following the same information um, that's always been out there. But what makes it different is you connect with people in a different way. I connect with people in a different way. And sometimes, you know, I've seen research that adults have to hear things 16 times before it finally connects. And so maybe you or I are finally the 16th person that they heard it. And all of a sudden, it's a game changer for those individuals. So we can't give up on that. And and just if we hear a no, it's just one less no before we get to that yes. And um, yeah, just staying optimistic and um, staying focused on on how we can help others solve their problems is, is, is kind of fun. Yeah. And I love your mindset because you are so much like me because you're talking service. It's not about, oh, how much money I can make. I want to be this rich person in the world. You're, you're saying, okay, how can I help other people? And I think when you have that kind of mentality, it's easier for you to succeed 
and actually go out and do something that's fulfilling and rewarding to you. How do you feel about that? I totally agree. I think we've all seen the research that says, you know, $70,000 a year is all you really need to to feel happy. And then at that point, you know, you begin um, taking on additional debt or purchases, and then you begin to feel trapped. And, um, you know, it, it sounds like a lot of money, but you know, when you, when you get out there and you land a few contracts, I mean, you're comfortable and when you're serving and and so your basic needs are taken care of. And so once you get your basic needs taken care of, if you can lead with kindness and lead with value and lead with helping other people, um, I believe it's going to come full circle and, uh, and be able to, it's rewarding for me to be able to help other people. And, um, the people that are successful that, um, that have, have, just really paved an incredible path. They've been where we are and, and they're willing to help other people like me or like anybody else that's just starting out. And so you try to um, attract those kind of people and just be around those kind of people. They energize you and, um, and they, they want to build you up. And so this is a great opportunity to find those people that are positive throughout this, this experience that we're all going through and to gravitate towards those people and, 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 live off of that energy and and just try to maintain some positivity because in a world full of just all kinds of just unhealthy stuff, healthy, fun, supportive relationships, people want that. And, um, and if we can keep giving with that and leading with that, I think, I think it's going to make us different than everybody else. And I think it attracts, attracts good things. I'm so glad you mentioned that because we are in a world with so much noise and it's so much negativity going on. And it's so refreshing to hear someone say, okay, let's be positive. Let's go from a a viewpoint of service and not just me, me, me. I think so many people in the world today, they have that, um, especially in business, they have that scarcity mindset. So just like you were saying how people have to hear things repeatedly and they may hear it from you and it may not resonate, but they may hear it from me or vice versa. But I I think so many times people think, Oh my goodness, if, if, if I help her, then that's going to take away from me. Yeah. 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 And it's, It's, yeah. And it's not so. No. And when you give it, it, I believe it comes back. So um, I really think it's just the right thing to do. And um there's a lot of people out there who want to help and want to support other people. So, you know, choose your friends wisely, I suppose. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) Oh my goodness. So let's talk about um, some of your hurdles when you became this successful entrepreneur, not just your transferring from corporate, but as you were building, you got your coach to help, help you internally, but as far as the building and your systems and um, getting that network of clientele, tell us about how that journey was for you. It was helpful with a coach because um, she's helped navigate a lot of people transitioning out of corporate and into being on your own. And it's a lot of just small wins because it's not as if you have the team that you're used to having when you're working in corporate America. Uh, You don't have procurement. You don't have legal. You kind of go out on a leap of faith (laughs) and a prayer and uh, and say, gosh, I hope this works out. (laughs) So, um, you know, you read a ton of books, you listen to podcasts and you really have to learn to trust your gut. 
and jump in when it feels right and know when you need to say no. And uh, a lot of it just goes back to the intuition that I think a lot of us, sometimes we, we've, we've tuned out because of the busyness that's in the world. And um, I've found that when I can try to trust my gut and what, what do I think is the right situation to get into? Um, that's what's turned out to be well. And so um, some basic things that got me started was, you know, just having the the website and LinkedIn and being consistent. And I think overall consistency is what I'm beginning to see is, is beginning to, to click just a little bit. Um, consistency on LinkedIn and being able to lead with value every week and be able to share information that I'm learning and, um, and also being able to have some soft call to actions. Mm-hmm. And a soft call to action may not be a, you know, a direct commitment, but it may just be, here's a resource page that I offer that's, that has services that, you know, don't um, commit you to anything. Um, here is, you know, a recent podcast that I thought was, was a great resource, or, you know, here's a 20 minute virtual coffee if you want to connect. And, um, and from these consistencies and these very low call to action, soft call to actions, relationships begin to open up. And from that, um, there's a, a crawl, walk, run process. And, you know, we can't go out and hit and, and close every initial conversation that we ever have. And so that changes when you're in corporate, you know, you can go in and they have a reputation already and, and your, your bank and, and your company that you're working with, they already bring that stuff to the table. And when you're out by yourself, you know, you're, you're beginning to reestablish your relationship as a solopreneur. And, um, so you, you can't hit them hard like you maybe could when you're in that corporate negotiations. And so, you know, you, you crawl a little bit, you share some information, you share references, you, you just kind of educate them on, on what's available and, and walk and just kind of court, you know, a little bit, you know, it's been a while since I've been out dating, but, um, you know, you, you've, you've got to, go through the courtship and and see if it's a right relationship, not just for me, but also for the client or the prospect. And then the run, you know, when they, when they say, okay, we're ready to act. Well, that's great. So let's go ahead and put in the timeline and here's what you can expect from me. And this is what I'd like to expect from you. And let's just go ahead and, and close the deal. So, um, you know, having consistency, I think is extremely important. Um, consistency I have found on LinkedIn because I feel like I, I connect more with just the professionals and that's just the background that I've, that I've have. And so LinkedIn is consistent. My newsletters are consistent and I've made a a bigger, a a bigger push to get onto podcasts and be able to share my stories. And, um, it's kind of a fun, creative outlet where, you know, I've got the writing for LinkedIn and as you know, a small town, Southern female, we don't talk a whole lot at the, you know, at the big events around town. And so um, this is kind of fun to be able to connect with people and and share my version of what my story is and, um, and not be tied up in somebody else's story. So it's really kind of, um, it's just been a really neat experience to be able to kind of hear my own voice and share my own stories as I see it. So consistency is key, but finding all these different um, ways to be consistent is um, has been fun. I love what you said about the courtship, courting. Mm-hmm. Uh, and LinkedIn is like my primary platform as well. Um, and I don't know if we're connected. If not, we need to connect. But yes, um, I, I want to know your opinion on this, and I'm pretty sure you've seen it. You get the person who asks for the connection request 
And immediately it's the, oh, I can help you with this. I can sell this to you. And, you know, I get so irritated with it because I'm going, okay, you asked me to connect. And then the next thing I know, you're trying to sell me, tell me what you can do for my business. And it's it's like, um, why don't you try to get to know me first? How do you feel? (laughs) Oh, I'm with you 100%. It's it's just, you know, it's it's big turnoff. I mean, when you go out and somebody's, you know, just hounding you for business, it's just not... I mean, maybe it's right for somebody, but I don't think it's right for the bulk of the people. It's it's not right for me. So, yeah, when I do see that, um, it's just, you know, red flag. It just doesn't click for me. And it, it's kind of funny. So I started dabbling in LinkedIn uh, a couple of years before I left corporate because I thought, okay, this will be a nice way to be able to kind of see how networking can be done without going to a conference and exchanging a bank, you know, business card or contact and so I created a process and it was on Saturdays and uh, my husband would take our, our elementary son, elementary age son out of the house for just a couple hours. And I would start data mining on LinkedIn and sales navigator. And I was like, there's some really fascinating people. And then from going to my sales conferences, I've been to enough LinkedIn trainings to know that um, your university, if you go to school with someone and um uh, go to school with someone and you have a second connection, the chances of, of that person accepting your request are 50% or higher. So I started doing, you know, you can do different searches in LinkedIn. So I started doing searches for people that, that went to the same university and then also second connections. And I used to just probably do too much research on them and say, Oh, Trina, you know, we both know so-and-so in Texas and da 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 da. And then I figured out, you know, I can simplify it and just say, you know, I saw we have some connections and it's, it'd be great to connect. And I just leave it at that. And, um, I started doing that. And I realized when I sent out 100 requests, I had about 60% that accepted with that just very casual crawl type conversation. Um, 60% accepted within two or three days. And then from there, you know, I'd wait a week, you know, I didn't pounce back on them, but I just said, you know, if you ever want to grab a a phone call, you know, just to introduce each other and, and just talk about, you know, what's working for our business and what opportunities we see out there. We'll keep it to 20 minutes and and that'll be it. And so I'll get another 20% that are just networking, like-minded business professionals. Um, but you can also feel when they're pitching back at you that, you know, it's just not a good fit. And I'm not looking to pitch at them. I, I don't want them to pitch at me. I just kind of want to know, you know, what are you seeing in the market and what kind of struggles are you seeing where you are? And it's just a great way to gather research and and build a network that you're in control of. And um, you're reaching out proactively and uh, getting to meet some people with some really great stories. I've learned so much, really fascinating stuff, just reaching out to people that um, are, are doing the same thing. So it's fun. It, it, that was worth every minute of this podcast, just saying that because I, like I said, I come across so many people and with that approach that you have, I would definitely have accepted a, a request from you. Um, but it's the ones that, you know, and it, and it's funny because I can, I know it's a cookie cutter because on LinkedIn, you know, it has first name, last name, and I put my middle initial after my first name. So it's in that same thing. So when I see Trina L period, I was like, okay, this is cookie cutter, you know, and, yeah. and then you get the whole big spiel of, oh, I do this, I do that, I do. 
And I'm just, you know, I'm just so turned off. I'm, I, I have connected with more people who have done, like you said, and said, Hey, you know, just saw your, you know, you got an interesting profile. Just want to connect. If you know, if you're ever in my city or whatever, um, look me up, we can have coffee. And Mm -hmm. I love that. I mean, I even met, I got to be pre COVID traveling that when I was out of town, I would go to the same little coffee shop every day. And this, this gentleman was there every day and we just stuck up a conversation. So we ended up connecting on LinkedIn, but it's those connections like that, that, you know, that you, you like, that you learn the most from and that you're willing to benefit. And then that way, if down the line, if it does um, come to a point where it's beneficial for both parties to do business or have a, a, a JV partnership or whatever, then you don't feel so bad about it. But, you know, in somebody, and it's funny, my coach, she's like, it's the equivalent of meeting someone today and saying, oh, I love you. Let's get married. <laughs> you know? Yeah, Just, it so is. You're right. That's a great, um, great analogy. Yeah. It's perfect. You know, so yeah, I just wanted to get someone else's uh, perspective on that because it's just, it's something that really irks me when I see that. Um, so in your business, go tell us um, who you work with, who are your clients and, and how do you go about your coaching? Yeah. So um, the clients that I've been working with, these are um, folks that are getting ready to go into the C-suite or they already are in the C-suite. And so that's CEO, CFO, um, you know, CMO, wherever that may be. Um, Within the succession plan, there are individuals that are getting ready to maybe take that next step. And the HR manager knows that they can teach individuals the task. You know, if you become the CEO, then, you know, here's the reporting, here are the board meetings. This is like your task list. What we're finding is you can only teach so much of that. And there needs to be some human interaction and some leadership. And what got them into that position may not be as effective today as it was when they first got into the position. So as, um, as I'm working with a few right now, they know that once they make the CEO selection, how well is this individual going to communicate with others within the organization to drive the change? And so communication styles need to alter slightly. Um, also, another one is being able to delegate effectively. And um, when you go up the ladder, you have got to start doing less. And so it's sometimes it's a shock to people that your new job is sitting in meetings and, and listening to other people and finding themes. And when you figure out what the theme is, figure out how to break that down to solve. So a lot of it is, is communication. And, uh, and like Marshall Goldsmith likes to say, what got you here won't get you there. And so, you know, you, you get to a certain point and, you've been pigeonholed maybe that you're just a really good manager, but they don't see you in that light of, of executive presence and being able to lead a a large room of, of individuals. And so the process of coaching that I use is stakeholder centered coaching. And it was developed by Marshall Goldsmith and, and a few of his very close friends. And, um, I studied it and and was able to get certified for the individuals and the teams. And I love the process because it allows the leader to become recognized by their peers and their stakeholders as improving. And they actually take a survey, the, the stakeholders take a survey and say, you know, did they improve on a, neg- on a negative three to positive three? How much improvement did you see? 
since we've been working on, you know, XYZ leadership. And so 100% of the folks that I've worked with um, so far, they've all accomplished those measured results as seen by their peers and their stakeholders. And, um, you know, to, to break down the process, it's, it's called ask, listen, thank. And so you can think of the alt keys, ALT keys that are next to the, um, the space bar on most computers. So you've got alt, ask, listen, thank. And this is kind of the way to get it started. And you would very simply say, you know, Trina, I want to get better at delegating. What are one or two things that I can do in this next meeting that's going to help? that helps me improve in delegating. And so you would give me one or two ideas. And so that's me listening. That's not me arguing. That's not me saying, well, Trina, you didn't see me do X, Y, Z in the, in before. And you don't understand. I can't ask Joe because Joe's like, "Eh, eh, I can't get him to do anything. So you don't give excuses, but you ask very clearly, what are one or two things I can do in the future to help my delegating? You listen, actively listen. And then you just simply say, thank you. And by saying thank you, you're not committing to anything. You're not promising anything, but you say thank you. You go back, you reflect, you respond, you change if you want to. And the last little piece of gold is the follow-up. So you follow back up with the stakeholder and you say this much like the army with your um, after action assessments. Um, This is what happened. This is what I learned from it. These are the insights that I'm willing to do going forward. So, you know, it's a forced um, reflection process. And the world is so busy that when we can have leaders create this repetitive reflection process of gathering information from folks in the field, and these people benefit if I get better at delegating. Um, I benefit if I get better at delegating. It's a win-win. We're building people up. We're talking about the future. We're not talking about everything we did in the past that got screwed up. And so we're building people up. It's going into the future. And, um, you know, for the past 40 years, it's been 95% successful that you are bringing the change that you want to be seen in your career. And you are bringing the change that you need other people to recognize you having to create in your career. And so it's hard to change other people's perceptions, but regular follow-up and this communication process is um, pretty darn much going to guarantee if if you've got the guts to do it, um, to be able to deliver these results that you will be seen recognized as becoming more effective leader. I love that. That is so amazing because people think, oh, I'm a leader now, so I'm just going to give direction and tell people what to do. And they never think about, okay, there's things that I need to do as a leader to become more effective. And that's, that's brilliant. I mean, I think everybody should know about this because it is, it's, and it's hard, like you said, to ask and just listen and then say, okay, thank you. Um, Because that lets you know where you need your improvement at Um, And then to sit back and follow up on that and think, okay, yes, I can do this differently or whatever the case may be. And when you when you go out and you're coaching and you're telling these executives this, what's the response and how long does it take you to get them to this point where they're actually listening to what you have to say about that? I think they're in shock for a lot of this. They're in shock that the individual, their stakeholders are saying what they're already thinking in their mind. Like they already know that they need to do this. 
And they think that if they put it out into the open, it's just going to be a shock to those people around them. And so there's almost like this, this piece of all of a sudden is, oh, they already know that I have this weakness. They already know that I need to get better at delegating. Oh, well, that's like half the battle is having this courage to be able to put it out there. Um, Another shock is the suggestions that come back are a heck of a lot easier than the stories that they've been putting in their head, talking about how they need to do all this extra work and it's going to take more time and I've got to retrain these people. And you don't have to retrain someone to delegate. You can begin to teach somebody and ask them to report back what they learned and create training off of it and then have them be able to train the next person. And so you're empowering this talent by delegating it out. And they said, wow, you know, I never really thought that asking a lot of these folks to take notes at the meeting and and create a, you know, a simple training PowerPoint to train the next people in would actually alleviate a lot of time in my calendar and empower them. And so, you know, you hear Brene Brown talk a lot about the stories we tell ourselves. And um, I think it's all over management and leadership is, you know, we tell ourselves these stories of, I can't do that, or it's been tried before, it'll never work, you know, so-and-so will never like this. But these are the stories we're telling ourselves, and we really need to break out of that and just listen to the bare minimum that somebody else needs us to do. Um, There's a book out, How Women Rise, and I went to New York to study with Marshall and Sally, who, who wrote the book, and I read one of the 12 things that hold women back, and I tried it when I got back to the office, and I thought, and it was communication, and I thought, well... I need to work harder and I need to create more reports to show everybody what I've been doing. And what happened was I needed to communicate differently with my manager. I needed to have um, more soft, you know, conversations, not, you know, just here's the stats, here's the report, here's the results, but have a, have a warm up, be able to talk about the solutions that that were provided instead of just saying everything's done. Don't worry about a thing. And so when I started having these kind of conversations with the manager, it like opened up doors that I had no idea. I didn't have to work harder. I just had to have a different type of conversation. And I got a much better result at the end of that than I ever could have by working three times as hard, um, solving as many problems or more, all I needed to do is communicate in a way that was more effective for that relationship. So, um, yeah, I told myself all kinds of stories in my head and really it was a waste of time (laughs) and uh, energy and I just needed to try something new. So it's, it's just funny. I mean, it is. And it's, it's funny because communication makes the world go around and so many people do it badly. Yes. Yes. Yeah. And especially in leadership and in management, it's done so poorly. And then they're surprised when they don't get the results that they're looking for. Um, and, and, you know, it's, it's funny because when I do my coaching, like somebody said, well, you know, they didn't do blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, well, did you clearly articulate that that's what you expected? Oh, well, well, yes, that makes a difference. You know, you can't expect results if you're not, you know, clear on what you're looking for. Um, yeah. What's the end goal? Like, what does success look like? Tell me what success looks like and let's make this happen. Right. And um, 
a lot of people want to talk about, here's the process of how you should X, Y, Z. And really, you know, as we're bringing in newer talent into organizations or people are getting reshuffled, which is perfectly fine, but just tell them what the end result is that you're looking for and give them the freedom because they could find a new way that can all of a sudden save you tons of money and time and, and get you the same results. And now you've got, you know, half a day free for this person to be able to do another project. So yeah, give people the power to be able to um, make those mistakes and and give it a shot. I love that. And I'm glad you're saying that, you know, let your people figure out how to do it. If you give them the direction and the task, let them take it on and complete it however they do. You know, and it's funny because I tell my kids this when they were smaller, when they would do math, I would say, you can do a math problem several different ways, just as long as you come up with the right answer. Mm -hmm. So math is an exact science, but you can do so many different things, but as long as you come up with the right answer, it doesn't matter whether I did it this way or you did it that way. But if we both come up with the same answer, that's what's important. Yeah. You know, the result. Yeah, the result. And I think that's where that's the key piece of leadership that's missing. Um, We don't. It's empowering people. Yeah. And there's, you know, as, as you go up within an organization, I worked for one CEO and he said, I can hire doers all day long. I can get somebody to run an Excel report all day long. He said, I cannot find thinkers. They're not out there. I'm like, well, we got to empower these people. They're there. We have to give them that courage to be built up enough to be able to know it's okay to fail and be able to, you know, tell them what the end result is and then let them go and, you know, be okay if, if they make a mistake along the way. But yeah, the thinkers are hard to find, hard to come by. And, um, you know, we got to help leaders figure out how to uh, give them the space to, to be able to think. Yes. And I think, and I think, and I think the thinkers are often ignored because those are the people who show up at meetings and they have an opinion or they're voicing something and we dismiss them or later on we we punish them for saying something or whatever. And I'm thinking, okay, that's the person who's actually thinking and may find that different way to do something or whatever. And you just cut that person down. So like you were saying, this this gentleman was saying, oh, I can't find any thinkers. Well, he probably have come across some thinkers, but who knows, maybe somebody shut them up where they felt like I I can't say anything because it's not going to be valued. Yeah. Kind of breaks your heart because you've got, you've got talent. Every organization has the talent. And uh, for all we know, they could be stuck in that job. You know, they, they may have a lot going on at home and they just got to keep their head down and keep the job. And, um, they just aren't given that opportunity to be able to rise up and, um, and be able to show you know, what talent they bring to the table. Mm-hmm. So. Oh, absolutely. So I have enjoyed this. We're going to go into our questions. Okay. So are you ready for those? <laughs> I'm a little nervous. I've listened to a few and then I was like, you know what? I think I'm just going to go in and, um, and, and just be surprised and, and see how my gut tells me to answer. <laughs> and that's what it is. It's all about your gut. So no okay. answered. Okay. Who or what? motivates you? Um, Self-improvement and uh, just reading and and podcast and learning motivates me. Okay. What demotivates you? Wasted potential. Ooh, that's a good one. 
Um, when was a time that something was said or done to hurt you, but it worked for your good? Hmm. I was, this is kind of silly. So um, I was, we'll just say, encouraged strongly to play golf on the uh, guys high school golf tournament or golf team. And um, that was just something my parents wanted me to do. And I wasn't in favor and it hurt like heck to go out there and play with these guys. So, but you know, if you can overcome being in the eighth grade and ninth grade playing with senior guys on the golf team, uh, it, I guess it, it, it taught me uh, perseverance. Okay. What is your fear? I have lots of fears. And, um, I think lately it's been almost fear of the future. You know, I've, I've, I've mentioned it earlier. I write things down and then I, I get excited and they, they come true. And so I've kind of gotten to the point where, gosh, how much do I really want to write down? What do I really want to come true? Um, I don't know what's out there. Is there a time when you wish you had done something that you didn't? Hmm. I've, pretty much act on a lot. Um, <laughs> probably more on the other side. <laughs> That's our next question. <laughs> um, yes, I have. Um, I got very vocal with someone <laughs> and expressed a lot of feelings that should not have been uh, expressed. <laughs> <laughs> over a real estate transaction. So, um, ah, oh, well, yeah. it's done now. So is that just your, your, something you wish you had not done? <laughs> I probably shouldn't have done that now. <laughs> and I was the relevant, I was like the most calm of the two people. And um, I totally blew it out. <laughs> I, I love it. Yeah, we could be friends. I, <laughs> oh, it's a stick of dynamite. And I'm living next door to it now. Oh. Mm, yeah maybe you shouldn't have said that (laughs) okay uh what is your definition of success finding your happiness and finding your peace how do you recharge completely by myself just leave me alone in a room with a book or the TV, or just a blanket and a nap. Just let me be by myself. What are you awesome at? Maximizing pretty much anything. I can maximize um, square footage in a house, in a building. I can uh, maximize, you know, if you've got three ingredients, I think I could probably make something up. Um, Just maximizing. I love doing that. Okay. What legacy do you want to leave? You can be fully successful anywhere from anywhere in this country. Mm. Wow. That was actually a good one. Um, Do you have another motivational takeaway for the listeners? I'm not very good at this. I'm working on it, but be kind to yourself and, uh, and ease up, ease up on yourself. Mm. So tell the listeners how they can connect with you. If you have anything to offer, tell us everything. Perfect. Thank you, Trina. Um, my website is katherinecanty.com, and that's with a C, 
And um, also you can find me on LinkedIn at Catherine Canty, and that will reconnect you back to my website. Now, do you have any anything forthcoming that you want to tell the listeners about? You know, we, we mentioned this before. I've got a, um, a sales course that's online and it's how to grow business when you can't leave home. And I've been dabbling with uh, whether or not I need to put that into a book. So um, I'm playing around with that idea right now. So you're going to keep so there us may, posted. May, yeah, there, there may be more to come. Well, we'll have to have you back then so we can That'd be fun. talk about it. Well, thank Catherine, you, thank you for taking time out of your day. I know it's in the evening for you, so I wanted to just say thank you. This has been great um, talking with you and getting to know you, and hopefully we'll stay connected. I would love that. Thank you so much, Trina. Thank you. If you like Trina Talk Podcast, please don't forget to go out to iTunes and rate it five stars and leave a review. Also, who else in your life do you know that needs some motivation and inspiration in their life? Don't forget to share Trina Talk with them. I hope you have a great week. And remember, if you change your mindset, you can change your life. Keep striving because success is a journey, not a destination.